Welcome to episode eight of the Same Therapy Podcast by telebehavioralhealth.us. In this episode, we bring our therapists, Trisha and Sarah, to discuss the interaction of social media and mental health. The use of social media during these times of quarantine and staying home have increased by 40% as of April. Take a listen to the ways that you can monitor your mental health while staying connected. And of course, we'd love to have your feedback. So please leave a review or drop us an email at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at telebehavioralhealth.us. Enjoy the episode. So yeah, hello and welcome to, uh, this is episode number eight, right, Abby? Yes. Episode eight of the Same Therapy Podcast by telebehavioral.us. Uh, we have a uh, veteran podcast guest here with uh, Trisha. Thanks so much for joining us today. And then uh, I think, Sarah, this is your first episode, right? It is. That's so cool to have you. Thank you for uh, the generosity of your time today. Today's topic, we're going to talk about social media. Social media is a very large topic. It's pretty wide. And and uh, how things are happening with the pandemic and and riots and all over the globe, uh, this is something that is that people are struggling with. Not just uh, parents and trying to teach their kids at home, uh, not just kids trying not to bully each other, but adults uh, with uh, pandemic porn, right? The constant uh, attention and the the news headlines and. It's all-consuming, and it's, it's definitely putting a lot of stress on individuals, families, teams, businesses, the whole nine. So what we're going to get into that. First, however, we do use this podcast as a really great way to introduce our therapists, our clinicians, to the people um, out there. And since uh, this is Sarah's first time, really would love to hear a little bit of uh, introduction about uh, you, who you are, why you are, you know, like what, what brought you to, to this career path, what the populations you like to serve. Yeah, so I typically I work with the geriatric population and adolescents. My history has been with children, so I've had a pretty interesting career in just that nothing has been the same and everything has been very different and a whole new world. I went into social work because I wanted to help people, I think, like many of us do. And lately I've been noticing that especially during this pandemic that we need to do or we should try to do more serve those people who maybe can't get into our buildings because of, you know, restrictions or also just because of time funds, transportation. So that's been my big passion for this, this whole pandemic. And I think going forward is really working with people and making sure that we can provide services to everybody. What was your uh, path? Like, uh, like how did you find this as a, as a career opportunity? I went, I worked with kiddos on the autism spectrum um, for a few years, and then I went into uh, nursing homes. And during the pandemic, I actually, I found Telebehavioral Health US and everything I read about it, I got really excited. And then every single time I spoke to somebody from the company, I got so excited about the mission, you know, the plan, what you guys are doing. And so I've never lost that excitement. Well, that's great. I know that we're really excited to have you. And that's uh, quite the spectrum that you work on from, uh, from you know, adolescence all the way to geriatric and then palliative care, hospice, and so on. So, um, and then maybe, uh, Trisha, uh, can you remind everyone about who you are real quick? Sure, absolutely. So I am a therapist. Um, I joined Telebehavioral Health U.S. a couple of months ago. I'm working on seeing some folks through our practice. And prior to that, I have about 13 years of experience in the field. A lot of my career has been spent working with uh, youth and families um, in various capacities. I've done some supervision and helping manage and 
modify some programs over the years. Presently, I am also doing some outpatient work that used to be in an office setting, but as the rest of the world is, uh, working from home and doing everything via telehealth. Yeah, it's a it's a great opportunity for those that uh, that that have access to the telehealth, right? Yeah. So now we have, uh, and then Abby, uh, you're the producer of the podcast. You've been an intern with us for a little bit of time. Let's have you kick this off uh, for us. This uh, topic on social media. Okay. So I think it's very important that we talk about what's going on in the world today and how social media is affecting that. And I really would just like to hear exactly like what you guys have to say about it like is it bad is it good like what's your opinion on the current events in social media right now i think social media gives us a lot more access to what's going on i think that we know a lot more about other people in the world certain events in the world the treatment of others things like that i personally am not somebody who enjoys watching the news all day every day And I think social media has kind of taken the place of news for a lot of people, you know, especially for our young people. And I I really think that if it weren't for social media, that we wouldn't even know some of these important things, especially with, you know, protests, police brutality, things like that. I think we're learning a lot of that through social media. So I think there's an opportunity for learning, but it can also, you know, be overwhelming, extremely overwhelming. I think it's affecting everyone's day-to-day like mental health. I think it depends how much screen time they have. If they have good boundaries with their social media and they can have a couple hours, you know, a day to be on it, you know, that's great. If you're kind of immersed in it all the time, it can be pretty overwhelming. I remember around the beginning of the pandemic, I actually had a phone-free day for, it was more of a phone-free weekend because I, it was too much news coming through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Everywhere you went, it was COVID-19, and I personally needed a break from it all. I'd imagine that a lot of people felt similarly. Now, Trisha, you had mentioned that it's a tricky beast, but he also said it's pretty great. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with what Sarah has to say in a lot of ways. I think that social media keeps us very connected, I think, during a time particularly when everyone has felt very isolated and disconnected. Social media has been a way for people to remain connected, you know, when we can't go out to eat and we can't drive across the state or go into another state or do whatever we normally do to remain connected to our friends and family. Social media can be a great platform to do that. And I'll be honest, I've increased probably some of my social media time and screen time at at various times throughout the pandemic. On the other hand, as you know, Sarah is also saying, it can really be damaging or it can cause a lot of stress. When you're constantly being flooded with news articles and different theories about what's really going on and some of it's from, from credible sources and some of it really probably isn't, it makes it difficult to decipher what's really going on, where's the truth, what's really happening, what do you believe in. Um, you can learn a lot about your friends and family from social media that maybe you didn't know before and that can be really upsetting and can damage some relationships. And so I think there just becomes a limit that everybody reaches where it becomes too much and it's overwhelming, it's, it's stressful, it can cause us a lot of anxiety or depression and, and maybe it isn't quite so healthy anymore. 
Right. You brought up an interesting point there about trust and research shows that people now, especially amidst the, the current events in the world, they're, they're actually trusting the, the words coming out of their employers more than any other source. So it's, it's like employers and then it's uh, like maybe educated scientists that they might know personally. Uh, so this is like maybe from a school that they went to or a local college or university or medical system. And then it goes to press and then a mix of other things. So on the, on the issue of trust, Sarah and Trisha, do you have any tips on like, how, how can we, how can we like maybe fact check or how can we know what we're reading is like you, you mentioned true. I think it depends on who you follow or what you follow, because I, I actually had a really good conversation with a friend about how somebody could very easily post something so untrue. And if it goes viral, it can really impact the way that other people think. And that's really scary. And so I know that I personally follow accounts that have really begun to source their sources. They cite their sources. They make sure to say, this is where I got all of this information. And there's a laundry list of, you know, 10, 20 articles where they're pulling these things from. Now, those could also be biased. But, you know, when people are really putting in the work to say, this is why I believe this, I find it easier to read that and say, okay, well, you at least know what you're talking about. And sometimes no matter how much you try to look for it, it's still difficult. Um, I just, uh, something came across me yesterday from Wired where there was uh, a, a journalist who really wanted to dig into these COVID parties and found out that there was actually nobody who actually heard really firsthand, couldn't find anyone, chased down all the sources at the hospital, nurses, everyone, and no one would fess up to actually being told that there was even such a thing as a COVID party. Yet COVID parties have been uh, like CNN carried it and all over Facebook and not a single photo of it actually, of this party. Um, not even the local health department where it was supposed to happen had heard about it. It was in the New York Times. So like even these really trusted sources, and I'm not saying that we, they're not trustworthy. I'm just... I think it just really makes you question, right? You know, when you are reading sources that you do consider to be trustworthy and credible and kind of second guessing, or there's just so many sources and there's a different spin based on their opinions or their belief system in a lot of ways. Like we can spin the same set of information in different ways. And then you really start to question what's really going on? What does that mean? Like, is that what I think? Is that what I believe? That can be a lot. So we've, we've talked a little bit about um, some of the positive things. Maybe we should talk a little bit more about it. I think as we're talking about trustworthy and credible sources, there are also many of those. And we can find people who have a lot of education and a lot of knowledge that they it's very readily available and they're more than willing to share on social media. And so it can be a source of information and we can learn a lot from people on social media, depending on, you know, maybe what we're working on, maybe to get some inspiration and motivation, maybe to get connected to some other information sources. I'm thinking along the lines like currently about, I, I had a client that I just had some conversations about who she follows and what she follows on her Instagram account about weight loss and body image and healthy nutrition and how, you know, so many things can be skewed, but also, there are some really credible sources and people who have some 
some background in those things, so some solid education, and, and it's proven. And maybe those are people that are better to follow. And so I think it can give us a, a lot of insight and a lot of motivation and keep us connected to things that we need to hear about sometimes. It sounds like you're talking about it being, we have control over what we're seeing to a large degree and paying attention to. We do. We absolutely do. We get to filter what we, what we look at, you know, just like the friends we choose in life, we get to choose who we follow on our social media accounts. And if something isn't healthy for us, or I don't know if I want to say it goes as far as to say like, well, if you disagree, just unfollow. I mean, you can do that, but is there benefit sometimes to being open to listening and hearing other people's thoughts and opinions and beliefs? Like potentially, yes, but you do get to choose. You get to choose what's healthy for you and what you want to follow. I agree. I think there's a lot of things that are really positive about social media. I think you just need to be super vigilant all the time to make sure that you're actually following accounts and people who really help you not only just feel good about yourself because sometimes it's important to be challenged, but you want to feel safe in your own home, right? So you should feel safe on your phone to a point. I know that the world that we live in doesn't always feel safe. The news doesn't always feel good. But when you go on to like your own personal Instagram or Twitter, do you want to be following people who are bringing you down? No. So I think especially with body image and things like that, like you said, Trisha, you can definitely find some really great people to follow but there's also you know just a lot of great knowledgeable people on instagram i think it's a very cool tool when you use it with an open mind and you don't just follow the same type of person so i think that's also important too can keep us really connected to people that we care about too you know i have friends and family who live in other states and who are nowhere who i just i would not have access to otherwise and i can appreciate when they share something that kind of gives me an update on how they're doing in life granted there's still a filter on what everyone posts on their social media but it is a really cool tool to be connected because then I don't know. I know what's going on for people in my life and I care and it's fun and I can appreciate that too. Totally. I agree. My best friend has a baby and she lives many hours away. So I get to see more of that baby using social media than I would if it was just in person. I've gotten to watch her grow and learn new things and see funny videos and FaceTime. So all of those things are really, really cool. I agree. That's really cool. I know that I really try to use social media for, for that more than anything else. I like to be able to see and check in on other people's lives and use that as a, as a social tool. And then if I'm starting to get uh, fed stuff by, and it's probably not by the people, it's by the algorithms, it's by the Facebooks, it's mm -hmm. by the Twitters, it's by the TikToks. Like they're the ones saying, oh, Corey, maybe you want to see this content. And I'm like, well, actually, no. <laughs> I'm here to see my friend Trisha and Sarah and Abby. I'm not here to get all like anxiety ridden. So maybe, uh, maybe some tips on, on really how to decide what's right for me and how to monitor myself and, and maybe apply some filters, you know, to my, and it's kind of like very intentional, right? For myself. And I would imagine for a lot of folks, submitting your time and social media, you could easily get lost in social media hours and hours a day. And I think it becomes, at some point, obviously pretty unproductive, but 
then you're just like we talked about, we're being flooded with things that may not be helpful or healthy. And, you know, we need a break. And it is important to, to do our best and obviously more difficult during this pandemic, but to have some actual social connection that is a little closer to person to person contact. I think that that's really important and can be lost if we aren't mindful of, you know, how we're going about staying connected. So having some boundaries around the time we spend. And as we talked about having some boundaries around who we're following and really questioning, why are we following this person? Is this helpful? Is this healthy? Is this information credible? Really, what am am I trying to get out of this? And then kind of doing some regular check-ins for yourself about, is this, is this what I'm trying to do? Are my methods to social media serving me well and helping me in the long run? And if they're not, then I think it's probably time to make some adjustments. Unfollow some accounts, spend a little less time, not take every single thing you read at face value, do some fact checking. Yeah, I think social media should be very intentional. I think maybe in the beginning it didn't have to be, but... I think I agree. I agree with Trisha. I think boundaries are really important, just like boundaries we have or we should have with the people we love, with our friends, with our jobs. You know, having those set boundaries for social media is important too. I think that we also have to remember that there's a filter on everything. We don't, people don't post things that they don't feel good about. So I think remembering if you're starting to feel anxious, stressed because somebody's life looks perfect, that's, and that's something that I think with the pandemic, a lot of people were struggling with is this person looks like they're having such a great time in this pandemic. And it's kind of reminding yourself that are they posting a true unfiltered look at their life? And the answer is probably not. Everything has a filter. So I think just having those boundaries and then doing, I do check-ins about once a month, honestly, especially on Instagram where I, and on Facebook, where I kind of look at what I've been looking at a lot of. Do I feel stressed? I do unfollow things pretty regularly or look for new sources. And I try to take a pretty active role in what I look through constantly because it's so easy to just scroll. And I don't want to scroll through things that make me anxious. I don't want to scroll through things that make me sad. So I take an active role in making sure that I'm paying attention to what content is available to me. Now, Abby, you're somewhat of a you know, unique uh, situation. You know, the three of us, three other of us here are like, we're professionals doing a professional thing and working the grind. And um, you're, you're in the middle of school and there's a lot of uncertainty, right? And then of course you have a, just, your friends are all distributed and this is not the typical summer for Abby. So what are, what are some of the like, uh, ways that you're using social media in a positive way and uh, other ways that you might have to be policing social media? Well, positively, I've been using social media definitely to like, like you guys have said, check in with friends and see how they're doing and everything like that. Because I've got teammates who live over the border in Canada or down in Texas even. And, but I also have family because I'm originally from South Carolina. So I have family down in South Carolina. So we do Zoom calls and FaceTime like all the time. Also on a negative standpoint, like I definitely agree with what Sarah was saying. You see those filtered images of people going out and having fun. And here in Michigan, we were under quarantine for a while or things are shut down still. So I'm like, I can't go out and do all the things that other people are doing. Other 
places. So that's really hard for me personally, especially since like recently turned 21. I'm going to be turning 22 this coming September. So like I want to go out and have fun and experience the bars, but those are also closed. And now you can't even go to a COVID party. And that, yep, now I can't even go exist. to a COVID party. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's definitely the filter and the, like you guys mentioned, the body image thing. Gyms are still closed here. So like I can't go do what I usually do or experience the things I usually do. So with the whole COVID and everything going on, social media has definitely been more of a constant thing. Like I'm not going to lie, the little iPhone message that comes up at the end, like I, there's been weeks where it's been like eight hours a day and I'm like, oh, that's probably a little too much. I should probably cut down on that. Uh, <laughs> but social media is like love-hate relationship, I feel like some days. And hearing your, your guys' tips, I should probably check in with it more often. <laughs> so uh, Trisha, Sarah, what are, what are some real actionable ways to monitor? I mean, you mentioned, Sarah, you mentioned that you do this check-in on a monthly basis. And like very specifically, if I wanted to start helping myself, <laughs> what's the, hey, Corey, you need to do this. One, two, three. I think you could set aside some very specific intentional times to be on social media to give yourself some limits. Like I'm going to give myself 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes on the lunch hour, 15 minutes at the end of the day to really kind of reduce the amount of time you're spending on there. You could sort of keep a more tangible log for a minute of how social media is impacting you, whether that's just like some journaling, you're jotting some notes or whatever it might be, or even just a mental note of how you're feeling impacted by social media. And if you're finding that it's causing a lot of stress and anxiety or making you feel bad about yourself or really question yourself, maybe it's time to take a look at where that's coming from, which accounts are causing you to feel that way, what kind of thoughts are they producing, and then maybe it's time to unfollow some accounts or modify how you're digesting social media. I like that a lot because if I, I know that if, if at the end of my 15 minutes this morning, I have to make a note of whether I feel better or worse than I did 15 minutes ago, <laughs> I might actually seek out things that are going to make me feel better. <laughs> Yeah. If I know, if I know I have to be accountable myself, <laughs> I want to be thumbs up, not thumbs down. Right. Sarah, do you have any, any tips for me? For checking, kind of doing that check-in on who you follow. I, I do that, especially on Facebook because it's so easy to join groups and sometimes on Instagram, because it's also very easy to just follow somebody. And I will, usually when I notice that I'm seeing a lot of things that I don't walk away from that 15 minutes feeling good about, I will set aside some time. And, you know, when I'm not watching TV, I'm not doing anything else. I'm really focusing. And I will, I go through my Facebook groups a lot and I say, you know, how does this add to my day? Is it taking too much time away from my day? Is it, am I reading things and getting angry? Am I reading things and getting sad? And so if I'm spending too much time of my day and it doesn't make me walk away feeling fantastic, I do, I'll just leave the group or I'll leave or I'll unfollow because it's not, worth walking away upset from your phone when our mental health is just in need it's so important and having following a group or a page that makes you feel badly about yourself it doesn't serve you i have another question so we're still 
basically isolated and quarantined regardless of whether the rules say that we can go out because maybe our work is saying that, nope, stay home, or you can stay home, so I'm choosing to stay home, or I've lost my job, or I have people in the household who lost their job, or aren't going to be going to school in fall, or are because they don't even know yet. We're quarantining or we're stuck with people around us, and now we're monitoring and making sure that I've got a thumbs up at the end of my 15 minutes three times a day, but the people around me aren't doing that. And so their social media habits are bringing me down. How do I bring that up to my peers, whether that's my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my kid, my friend. I think if you live with somebody, it's pretty easy to notice if they're getting agitated on their phone. I remember there was a day that around the beginning of the pretty intense riots, my sister woke up in the middle of the night and called me from the next room because she was so upset by what she had been scrolling through and she was crying. And we had a really long conversation about you know, the way she was immersing herself in social media. It's important to know what's going on, but do you need to know what's going on 24 seven? No. So we've had those pretty big talks in my house. And I've also had those talks with my friends who, you know, they feel like they're not doing enough during a pandemic. They feel like they're playing the comparison game. And I have been mentioning what social media accounts are you following? How often are you on it? Are you sitting there all day on social media looking at people, you know, with their filters, looking so happy and feeling badly about yourself because you're sitting on the couch. It's really a, it's a give and take. So I've been talking to people about it because it's been important. So I just bring it up when people are stressed. I'll say, well, what kind of social media are you using? How often are you using it? Do you need to tone that down? Yeah. And you can kind of say we're, we're in a room back when we could be in real life and someone walks in and they're all like, they're filled with anxiety and agitated. Like it brings a feeling upon the whole room, right? What you're saying is like, we can, we can, we can sense this. For sure. We know what's going on. I think with the people we love. I'm concerned about what's going on with your phone. (laughs) It seems like you're spending a lot of time on it and it looks like it's making you pretty overwhelmed or pretty angry or pretty anxious or whatever. You know, and some people, those conversations are going to be easier than others. You know what? I need a break from social media right now because it feels like it's too much. So I don't really want to talk about whatever it is that you're you're taking a look at right now. Like, maybe let's table that conversation for later because I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed. Do you guys ever get the people who delete their social media for a few days and then go back on? Do you guys think that's a good outlet to do because I know personally my parents will do that like if they get too overwhelmed with anything that's on Facebook or if they're not happy with the content that they're seeing they'll delete it do you find that's a good way to handle this I think it's such a personal it's a personal opinion it's really a personal thing there's nothing in the world that says you have to be on social media. You can choose not to be connected in that way and then be intentional about connecting with people in other ways or connecting to information in other ways. You can actually access news besides social media, believe that or not, these days. And I don't know. I've taken breaks. I've given up social media for Lent before. And honestly, it was a pretty freeing chunk of time. And I learned a lot about how I spend my time and about myself in doing that. Um, I haven't done it in, in quite a while, but I've done it on a couple of occasions. And there are things that are very healthy about them for me personally. 
And so it's given me a different perspective on how to utilize social media and how much I might be utilizing social media. So for some people not being connected in that way is probably a very healthy thing. I agree. I, I think I took social media off of my phone three times during the pandemic just for 24 or 48 hours because I knew that I was on it all the time. I was fully immersed and I was feeling very anxious constantly. Even just chest pain, things like that. I was emotional and I did notice that my own temper and irritability were kind of going hand in hand with that social media. So I knew for me, I needed to take a break. So I did take it off my phone. If it makes people feel better, honestly, I say do it. If they need to delete it for a day, 48 hours a week, if it helps their mental health, then I I say go for it. If you've gone through and you've removed things that make you anxious, if you follow people that make you feel good and you're still having a hard time, a break is probably a really good chance for you to kind of reset, rewind, make sure you're still where you need to be that you're good and then go back to social media when and if it feels appropriate. I would like to mention you guys talked about boundaries and I know now you are able to set like restrictions for your kids that like when I was growing up that wasn't quite a thing yet so like I never had my parents set restrictions on what social media I'm looking at or what's being filtered on my pages and I'm just curious what you guys think of that or if it's a helpful tool to kind of isolate what kids are seeing now. I think there's two ways to go about that. I think part of it, and depending on the age of your children, probably will depend how involved you are in in that process or not. But I think we can certainly teach our children about what's healthy, what's not healthy, how to find credible sources, how do you decide, you know, what's healthy for you to follow and, and how that makes you feel and what that makes you think and how that influences your beliefs and your values and, and your relationships and teach them how to set boundaries for themselves. It's a critical life lesson we probably miss out on often, giving them the tools to do those things for themselves. However, I also think there can be value in monitoring more specifically what they follow and who they follow and and what's going on kind of conversations are you having on social media are those healthy and having some real open dialogue with their kids about what that is and, and what they're getting involved in because it can be incredibly hurtful and damaging and there's there's a lot of bullying and there's a lot of pretty harsh things that happen across social media with young people and it can be incredibly devastating and incredibly isolating for them. And if they don't have the tools to navigate that, it's causing some pretty significant issues. Yeah, I don't I don't know even close to the right answer for that. I have friends who have kiddos just getting to that age where they want the Snapchats, they want the Instagrams and the TikToks and whatever else they're using. And you know, half of them do monitor it pretty heavily half of them don't and it can be dangerous and I think that having those really open discussions about internet safety really early on and then kind of repeatedly as needed is important. Giving them the space to establish those healthy boundaries after you've discussed them is great. I think for 
when they're pretty young, especially watching their content, kind of keeping an eye on their phone is really important just because of the world that we live in today. Well, uh, Trisha, Sarah, Abby, thanks so much for uh, joining and participating in our eighth episode here at the Same Therapy Podcast. Uh, Trisha, you've been a rock star. You've been on numerous episodes. Looking forward to seeing you again and again and again, Sarah. Um, really appreciate uh, you joining us. Maybe um, maybe we can uh, leave this podcast by going around the table and offering just uh, some some encouragement to our listeners, whatever that may be. I would just encourage people to hang in there. It is some wild and weird times out there. And, you know, I, I don't foresee, unfortunately, that changing or an end to that anytime soon. And so we talked about normalcy a couple podcasts ago, and those same conversations continue to come up. So try to establish some things that were in your normal routine before and give yourself a foundation to stand on whenever you can and just hang in there. You're not alone. We're here. Continue to do your best. As we're going through this time of uncertainty, I think really doing what feels good, what feels healthy. I think establishing boundaries that feel good to you. And then also reaching out when things feel like they're too much. I think that's important, be it to your friends, be it to professionals, be it to both. If doing what you need to do to feel good about yourself when you go to bed at the end of the day, even if it's just one action that you can be proud of, I think is a great goal to start with. So really just taking it slow, taking it easy and reaching out when you need help is really important. Yeah, I definitely agree with what Sarah was saying. And I also maybe like this is something I personally would need to start doing more, but also just think about going outside a little bit more, putting down the phone, reading a book. If like you can't get anywhere right now, just definitely trying different and new outlets if it ever seems like it's too difficult. Just add to Trisha's point, like yeah, you're not alone. And if, uh, if you do need help, there's, there's ways to get it. One way is to visit uh, Sarah and Trisha's profiles on telebehavioralhealth.us. We're here and available. If you need us, reach out, check out the rest of our podcast episodes. The first one starts with why we even exist in the first place. And we have some really interesting topics that go from, as Trisha mentioned earlier, we got a bunch of different topics, some about suicide. We have uh, topics we've covered about uh, anxiety and um, we're a lot more fun stuff coming up. So catch us every week and thank you um, everyone very much and have, uh, have a good time. I'll see you guys uh, pretty soon. Okay.